have something uh, very pressing come up, and I was unable to you know, really kind of keep the interview going on longer than it did. Uh, so we kind of cut that a little bit short as well, but we also skipped over the other talk because that would have come, that recording would have come after we were done recording with Nick. So apologies for those who, you know, were looking for me to talk about something like that. Just unfortunately, due to some timing of, of things, I just wasn't able to get that recording done uh, to match with my schedule and Chris's as well as, you know, getting the podcast out on time. So after that long-winded explanation, let's get into our interview with Nick. All right, we now welcome on a special guest to the Avershawn podcast. It is Nick Lorenzen. He is the man behind the mid-major Twitter account. Uh, I actually have a verified Twitter account person on this podcast, which is pretty sweet. Nick, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. And you guys? Swell, as always. I'm almost halfway through my week, and I've only had to work one day so far, so I can't complain. Dang. So, Nick, you are in college at South Carolina, but you are running the Mid-Major Madness Twitter account, uh, which, as I believe you told me, is a subsidiary of SB Nation. So, first thing, tell us how you even got into this role, and then let's just jump right into the basketball talk uh, after that. What, like, once you're done telling us that, we all know Gonzaga is the main Mid-Major that everybody talks about to the point where they might not even be Mid anymore. Yeah. Who should we be paying attention to as the top mid-majors in the country right now? So it all starts to have a really interesting story. It started back in middle school. I was running these, I was just posting scores on these Instagram accounts. It was going, it wasn't really going anywhere. And then I had some kid reach out to me. He's like, you should make team specific accounts. So I made two. I made one for UMBC, which you know they ultimately ended up being in Virginia in the 2018 NCAA tournament. Other one for Duquesne. Duquesne, that one got shot down right away. I ran that UMBC one for a year or two until they got the win. And I didn't even realize UMBC didn't have an Instagram up. So when they won, like I was getting tagged by Steph Curry, Ravens, ESPN. It was it was insane. And I had the athletic department reach out to me. They're like, can we have your name for the, the like the account name? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure. If you give me an internship. So okay, here's a high school. I turned that into an internship with them. And then I reached out to Mid-Major Madness. I've been writing for them for three years. And we just had a little uh, change at the top. And the guy at the top, Ross, really good guy. He used to run the Twitter. And then I saw it was kind of dead for a couple months. So I'm like, I want to get this thing back up and rolling. So I got that back up and rolling. I've been rolling with that for a month. Did the same stuff over on my account, but it wasn't nearly the same. So what was the name of this Instagram account? And, and I, I know I asked the other question, but I, I got to know this. 
what was the name of this Instagram account where everybody like associated with the university? Cause normally, you know, it'd be something like just UMBC men's basketball, very plain and simple. Like, was that what it was or was it just something yeah. that really? UMBC.MBB. No one had it. I put it out there. Their old account. I think the last time they posted was like 2014. That went happened in 2018. I still run it, but I like barely touch it. I just changed the name. So still out huh. there retrievers.mbb that's that is actually one awesome and two pretty crazy uh but also cool. smart by you to parlay that into an internship yeah that was all my mom i wouldn't have been able to do any of that <laughs> i wouldn't have had that idea well you you got a good mom because she's looking out for you yes, well, the real question is how much were they willing to pay any ideas that everyone asked me everyone but my mom everyone's like nick you're such an idiot for not going out there and asking for money but i guess i mean the internship turned out well so until covid ended it you know honestly though down the road that might actually be even more helpful because now you go in one with an awesome story and Mm -hmm. two instead of like what some people could call short-sighted for going for the money now any future employer you're sitting there going like hey i wanted to work and never have to tell them that your mom made you do it. Exactly. You say like, Oh yeah. Like I decided that, you know, what I wanted to do was turn it into an internship and boom, all of a sudden, like now you're this guy who's like getting out there in front of everything. And you know, you're like this super like hyperactive, hyper, hyper, like go get them type of guy. Mm. So that is going to benefit you a lot down the road. It definitely uh, the anchor my uh, resume. Okay. So now that that has been established and again, still, Crazy but awesome story. Let's let's get to the basketball. Other than Gonzaga, who should we be looking at at the top of of the mid majors right now? So I mean, right now Davidson, they just got in the top twenty five. I'm gonna skip over them. They're a great team. They got great depth. Bob McKillop's an amazing coach. You know Steph Curry in the past, but Boise State right now they're on a twelve game winning streak. They have a huge game tonight. I'm gonna single in on the the day that we're recording this. They have a huge game. They play Wyoming. It's both teams are unbeaten in the Mountain West. They won 12 games straight. They beat Temple, Ole Miss, Wazoo, a whole bunch of the top Mountain West teams. And, you know, the last couple of years in the Sweet 16, there's always defensive teams. I mean, I think it was 2019, half of the Sweet 16 teams were top 10 in uh, defense on Ken Palm. Right now, Boise is number eight on Ken Palm. They lost Ray J. Dennis last year. He went to Toledo. And now they uh, they just they keep everyone. Leon Rice is the longest tenure coach in the league. They keep everyone else, and they've just been playing on real ball. They lost to Cal State Bakersfield in November, and ever since then they've just been on real. They lost to the Bonnies and the Charleston Classic, and I want to say they haven't lost since then. It was a really close game. It was a really good game. Right now they're in as I was looking at bracketologies earlier. They're in as the automatic bid, but. Mountain West is supposed to get like three, four teams. I think they'll at this point they should be in the tournament. So uh, who are the other? Because and admittedly, this is just some East Coast bias. I don't get the chance to watch as many uh, Mountain West games, especially being a teacher. I kind of have to wake up early. Uh, so who are the other like two or three teams that they're expecting to get into the tournament? So you got San Diego State. They're also a top ten defensive team. Uh, they were they lost to Boise on Saturday, 42-37. It was right after the football game. Turned out it was 42-37. It was a brutal oh. offensive game. But 
that showed that Boise was for real. Once that happened, I knew that they were the real deal. And then you have Colorado State, who started the season, I want to say like 12-1 and or something, and they lost a Mountain West game. But they're still getting all these votes. They were 23 in the coaches' poll last week. I know they're receiving votes in the AP poll. They beat Air Force over the weekend. They have David Roddy, who's an unreal big man, one of the best in the country. And then the other one is Wyoming. Wyoming's right there on the bubble. They played Boise at the night that we're recording this. They were last or first four out in Lenardi's bracketology earlier today. But I mean, I know later you're probably going to ask, like, what's the best mid-major league? The Mountain West is probably the best out there. They have coaching top to bottom. I mean, San Jose State's 0-5. They play Air Force tonight. They're coached by Tim Miles, who used to coach Nebraska. You have New Mexico, who's also winless. They have Richard Patino, who's at Minnesota. Just a super great league. So uh, I guess that a lot of people may not see that because, I, I mean, the A-10 usually gets the most publicity. Uh, with Davidson being in the top 25, some people could think that. But I know that like teams like St. Bonaventure uh, were predicted to be really good because they had a bunch of returners this year. And other teams like Richmond, I got to watch them play against Maryland. God help me. Uh, they look solid in that game, but everybody does against Maryland. Uh, so what what is kind of, I guess, holding back the A-10 this year? Are they just, you know, is there just a lack of talent? Well, the first thing with the Bonnies is they only run five guys. Like in the preseason, I'm getting, especially my roommates, because they're the biggest mid-major haters and then they live with me. But the Bonnies, I was so high on them preseason. I wrote a whole article about how they're going to make the Final Four just late in the game. I mean, COVID hit them. If one person's out, their whole team is essentially shot for because, I mean, they only run five guys and they have two guys off the bench who play very limited. And I mean, just like VCU, they lost to they lost to Wagner. Wagner's a good team, but it's not a great loss. They lost to Chattanooga. They were another team who was supposed to be on the bubble. And I mean, George Mason didn't really parlay off that Maryland win. Davidson, they struggled before that run in the tournament down in Florida. Slew, they keep losing. Well, I mean, they, they took out Alabama, though, right? So, and I know Alabama has struggled yeah. compared to their expectations, but that's still a good win for them. Yeah, I mean, at Davidson, Davidson should be in the tournament right now. But if they win the tour, if they win the eight ten tournament, it's a one bid league. If they don't, two bid league. I really don't, unless the Bonnie's going to surge right here. They look good the last couple of games, but I would. I'm a big eight ten guy. My dad went to Duquesne, grew up loving the league, but it's really down the year for them. Gotcha, <clears throat> gotcha. Well, another league that uh, I've kind of already touched on a little bit with Gonzaga. But the one that I think is kind of like the darling of the media this year is actually the West Coast Conference, largely due to Gonzaga still being Gonzaga. But also with the Gonzaga being who they are, the past few years, it's always just been like, all right, well, Gonzaga's toughest part of the season is going to be their early part. And then they'll just, you know, trounce teams by like 40 in their conference. And it's going to be a one bid league. They just happen to have one of the best schools in the country in that conference. Um a lot like there's there's more coming out of it this year where uh, I know like BYU is looking good, especially, you know, after beating Oregon, Oregon looked rough to start this year, but that win is actually looking a lot better now because Oregon's kind of getting it together. 
St. Mary's is always a quality team, even if they haven't been quite as good as they were during the Matthew Dellavedova years. But then also University of San Francisco, who normally I wouldn't get a chance to watch, but they played against Chris and mine's alma mater in Towson in a tournament. So I got a chance to actually like watch a full game of them for a one bid league. They're suddenly now looking to be like a, a potentially four bid league, which is huge for them. What, like what caused the change? I mean, it's all coaching. And I mean, San Francisco, Todd golden has to be one of the youngest coaches in the nation. I want to say he's like 35, 36, 37, 38, but he's been there a couple years. This might just be like a little subtle shout out when Chris Gerlifson, he's their associate head coach. He was at Hawaii and Aranganat was going through, uh, it was medical issues. I want to say it was 2019. I reached out to them and I talked to them for an interview and he did outstanding. I think they went like six and no under him and he's gone there. They've gotten all these recruits. Jamari Boy has just been playing outstanding this year, but I mean, coaching throughout the year, Mark Pope, I mean, he's been tied to Maryland. I don't really think he's going to go to Maryland, but Randy Bennett's always great. And then even like in the middle of the league, you have uh, San Diego has been playing much better, which I was not expecting at all. I don't really think, I think they could be like six, seven in the league, but they could make a push to the semifinals. You have Santa Clara who has a bunch of big men who are great. And they're, uh, can't think of their, Herb Sendek, who's at North Carolina State. He was a, he's a great coach. He's been there forever. I mean, it's just, it goes down to, depth and everyone's everyone wants to play against Gonzaga I mean if you're a mid-major guy and like say you have an offer since you're out west say you get like a summit league offer like South Dakota State offers you or a Pepperdine well Pepperdine's Malibu who wouldn't want to play Malibu but like a Portland offers you Shantae Leggins um I would want to go to Portland because when you go to South Dakota State you're not really playing anyone you're the head of the league maybe at Max Aismas or Roberts but you get to go out, you get to play Gonzaga, you get to play in a raucous atmosphere at BYU. You have all these beautiful places. I mean, it all comes down to scenery and coaches with these teams. And I mean, Todd Golden's really capitalized off it this year, especially with the hiring of Chris Garlison over there. So first of all, quick aside, um, still weird to me that Max Aismas pronounced his name that way when it's spelled that way, but it's, I got to admit that this is fun. Um, all the, like all these different topics and everything, but I gotta, I gotta make a shift now because let's be real. Chris and I went to Towson. We want to talk about Towson. We want to talk about the CAA. So let's dive into that because that is notably a consistently one bid league. Mm -hmm. What, uh, what about it? Because, and this is something where as much basketball as I paid attention to, there's so many schools. There's so many teams. It's hard to know exactly how somebody looks at a conference and automatically knows that this is a one bid league where like, so, you know, right now the top two teams in the conference are UNCW, uh, UNC mm -hmm. Wilmington for those listening and Towson, they were predicted to be eighth and ninth respectively in the preseason poll and the team that was predicted to be second, Northeastern, hasn't won a single conference game yet. So to me, you know, I, I think of a one-bid league as something that would be rather predictable. So take the, the MAAC, because I can't just call it the MAC, uh, with Iona at the top. They've got Rick Pitino, an all-time great coach. You know, look up their conference record. It's no shock that they're undefeated in conference right now. 
that makes sense to me because that's predictable. Yeah. So the CAA, I have watched way more CAA basketball ever since I started going to school there than I ever did growing up. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a very tough conference. They, and a lot of times they actually kind of like beat up on each other, which makes me think that it, it's pretty good and equal level competition. So what about like that league or any other league? Does somebody look at and go, okay, yeah, this is a one bid league versus a league that, you know, has a shot to get multiple teams in the tourney. Well, I just want to start. First of all, I mean, Northeastern starting own eight. I mean, no one expected that. Bill Cohn's one of the best coaches in the whole country. So back the CAA's former media director used to always say death taxes and Bill Cohn in March, you know, Every March, Northeastern seems to make that run in the tournament. They're such a good team. So it's amazing that they started 0-8. But when you look at these one-bid leagues, I mean, even Iona, if Iona wouldn't end up winning the MAC with two A's, uh, they could be an at-large team. It all depends on what you do in non-conference. Any team that is not top 10 in, um, in Ken Palm, I always look at Ken Palm, top 10 in Ken Palm, pretty much one bid unless you're like an Iona who's running the table in the league. You have Murray state and the OVC who's doing unreal. They just killed Belmont. They have Moorhead state on Saturday in a huge game. It all comes back to uh, non-conference. You got to beat up on the big boys. You got to beat up on those power seven schools. All right. So I'm going to, I'm going to jump in here. So admittedly, Sean is the college basketball guru of the two of us. So uh, two, two things. One, I want to mention a nice Bowie Bay sauce hat. Yes, sir. Some, some, some hometown cooking. Um, so you mentioned bracketology, all right? And as someone who's, you know, I'm a casual fan, you know, I'll watch some games here and there, but I'm definitely not a diehard. Um, at what point do you start putting stock into what's actually on bracketology? And at what point is it too early? And I know that's maybe a super opinionated question, but you know, as someone who is on the fringe, you know, obviously I hunker down in March and towards the end of the season into the play, into the, you know, the tournament and whatnot. But um, is there a point where you're like, you know, this is legit because just for example, I see as of right now, I see Cleveland state getting a bid, right? Mm -hmm. I see Southern Utah getting a bid who I believe made it last year too. No, no. Who made it? Eastern Washington made it the big sky. So Maybe uh, some, something, some, something, wait, what's up? Cleveland State did. Cleveland State did. So exactly, like at what point did, you know, should I actually start thinking to myself, you know, this Cleveland State is probably going to settle in as a 14, 15, or 16 seed? I mean, I don't ever really look at that. I, it's like every time the NCAA tournament's been in Pittsburgh, I go. So this year it's in Pittsburgh. I always, every time I see a new bracketology out, I get to, I go and see who's playing in Pittsburgh. It doesn't, it never means anything. I mean, unless you're a top four seed, that's really all that matters. But even with these at-larges and small bits, like Joe Lenardi, Jerry Palm, all of them, they always choose just who's at the top of the standings. It never goes really deep into these mid-majors. If like power six, power at-large bits, that's all, you look into that, but it doesn't really mean all that much. Unless, yeah, it doesn't really mean all that much. Good to know. Good to know. Um, and then, so, you know, just per- perusing mid-major madness, 
I see, uh, you know, I, I'm a recent transplant to uh, Central Jersey, as we were talking about before we hit record. And a uh, recent article by you highlighting Princeton's run. So fill me in on that. Yeah, what is it? Like 12 in a row, I think. They've been playing unreal. So I went to Army-Navy and I made it, I decided to stay a couple of days, went and saw them play on Monday. I actually talked to Mitch Henderson, Tosan, Ev Wanham and uh, Jalen Llewellyn over the offseason. So I thought I'd go up, see what was up with them. And it was the beginning of their run. They played it close throughout, and they just went unreal then. I've been watching them since. I mean, they played this game, I want to say it was against Columbia. They were down like 20 in the first half. They ended up coming back. And then the next day, their star player, Llewellyn, was hurt. He didn't end up playing. So they had this kid Matalaka, it was his first start. It was his birthday too. And he came in and he had a buzzer beater. It was SVP's best thing he saw that day. But happy birthday that team, him, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that team can be something special out of the Ivy League if they end up getting that bid. They beat South Carolina in non-conference. It was a ugly, ugly game. They took Minnesota to double overtime. I mean they're a really good team. They have they're really deep. Uh Ivy League's really good basketball, but it's going to come down to them and uh, Yale more than likely. And Princeton just has – they're one of the most well-rounded teams in the whole nation. Good to know. And, I mean, t- typically Ivy League's a one-bit conference, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, now, also, since uh, you've already kind of hinted at it, you know, we talked about it a little bit before recording – um, and then the N, uh, MAAC, whatever, because we can't call that the MAC, right? Um, you know, my new employer, I guess I'll call it that. I have yet to be to a game, you know, go to a game, but you, you highlighted Ryder out of all schools. Like, I'm not going to lie, most people have never heard of Ryder University, but here you are bringing it up. And let alone you actually were on Ryder's campus. Yeah. within you know the past few weeks so uh and then you said that they've got some some transfers and is you know is this a team that's on the up and up that you know over the next two three years i should be looking out for or and by by looking out for i mean they're gonna actually play 500 basketball <laughs> well i mean i feel like a lot of the transfers and a lot of guys they had were older but i saw them play at south carolina i wasn't i didn't even look at the roster before it came i covered the game as a sunday the Steelers were getting killed. It was brutal. But um, I look at the roster. I'm like, uh, there's a guy from Pepperdine. Who was it? Uh, Cedric Altman. I'm like, this guy was Pepperdine had Colby Ross and Kessler Edwards. I want to say Kessler Edwards plays somewhere in the NBA now. And I'm like, what the hell? Why is this guy here? And they had these two guards. They've been great for years. They're a really pesky team. They have two wins. They're in the bottom of the MAC. They're a really pesky team. I really think anyone out of that league can win that. Kevin Badgett has a really good team full of guards just can play on real. They were on Sunday, they were playing Niagara. They were getting killed. I'm looking at the score right now. They were down 17. It was 17 in the first half. And then I want to say they started the second half on like a 21 2 run. They just, if they play defense, they could be a really good team, but that's their problem. They don't play defense all the time. The Mac, I saw, I also saw Marist earlier that weekend. That's a really good team. Fairfield, they have a couple of really good pieces. Jay Young's a great coach. St. Peter's, I saw them play at Maryland last year. 
they got ran out of uh, the Xfinity Center, but they have a couple big men who are really good. Sienna's always good. Monmouth, when they won like the first 12 games against the spread, I want to say. The MAC is a really good league, and Ryder, they just have to keep getting these transfers. I mean, they're all seniors this year, so they're just going to have to make some mirac- miraculous run. But if Kevin Badger can continue to get those transfers, they'll be good in a few years. That's good to know. I'll keep my eye out for that. Okay, so I'm going to cut back in here and let's let's move it to like you know money time for the college basketball year march madness every year there's always an upset or two that nobody sees coming you know last year it was um who was it that took out texas it's not Stephen f austin abilene christian abilene christian yes so you know something like that always happens so if you had to pick somebody who's outside of the well-knowns of the mid-majors because again you've got your gonzagas you've even got davidson who I'd yeah. say is well-known thanks to the Steph Curry years. What team would you say out of anyone that you've watched so far, maybe it's a Boise State, you've already mentioned them, but again, they're still kind of well-known mostly for their football program. But what team do you think could hop into the tournament and like really catch somebody off guard a la a UMBC 16 over one against Virginia? First of all, I want to make a little subtle brag. So last year, so the bracket came out on that Sunday. I sat there, I was watching it. I said, Oral Roberts, they're going to beat Ohio State. I put them, the money line kept dropping all week, $10. It was plus a thousand. They ended up beating them in, in overtime. That was one of the greatest moments of my college career so far. But Arkansas State, Arkansas State out of the Sun Belt, I was on their media availability actually earlier today. Last year, I talked to them. They had this kid. He was unreal in prep school. His name's Norshad O'Meara. He's averaging a double-double right now. He has seven consecutive double-doubles. He's from Nicaragua. He didn't even start playing basketball until junior year of high school. And now he's just one of the best players in the country. They have three car- They have three great guards. Desi Seals, he's a transfer from Arkansas. He's our sixth man last year. Marquise Eaton. Coach Bellotto is an amazing coach. I think they're one team that can definitely surprise some people there. Uh, Murray State, they have this kid, Tevin Brownie. He was a freshman when Ja was there. So it was them two up against that Marquette team that ended up beating them in the tournament. They have him. And then they have this transfer from South Carolina, Trey Hannibal, who's really good. And, I mean, even like the Ohio Valley, they could be a two-bid league. Belmont can go in there. They can upset someone. They've had the same kids for, I feel like Nick Musinski and Grayson Murray have been there for like 15 years now. That's what happened with college sports is people just last forever. But, I mean, those are probably the three off the top of my head who, outside of the Boise's and Davidson's and Gonzaga's of the world, they're probably the three that I'm really looking forward to, and Princeton. All right, fair enough. Now, you mentioned that your roommates are like the biggest mid-major haters. Yeah. I don't know if you listen to the Barstool Bench Bomb podcast, but I would have to disagree. I think one of their hosts, Marty Mush, easily yes. the biggest mid-major mm-hmm. hater, which drives me nuts having gone to a mid-major college. Uh, if I went mm-hmm. to somewhere like Maryland, it may not have been as much to me, but now, now it's personal. Yeah. So that, that leads me to another question, and I, I'm kind of bouncing around a little bit. Uh, admittedly, I apologize. I've got something going on outside of this that I'm trying to take care of. Uh, but 
it's it, so if the questions seem a little bit like out of sorts, that's why. But if they're if they're hating on it so much, and maybe it was because of your internship at UMBC, how do you spend so much time and are able to commit all this like brain power and everything to all that's going on in the mid-major world and not get caught up in the flashy lights of the of the major programs? I mean, we always have Maryland on. That's one thing. It all. I've been really big into the West Coast basketball scene because I mean they're getting really good and they'll end up going to bed or they'll end up going out somewhere. So I get we have what three TVs in the living room. So we do that. Like right now, my roommate's watching the Wizards game. My other one's probably watching the Maryland game. I mean, I'll watch them. I'll watch those schools, but it won't be like as intently as I watch these. I mean, I'll watch them. I don't really look at the stats, but when I watch, when I at the end of the day when I go to bed. I, I mean, I don't snap. I, I'm at this point where I don't even like Snapchat people at this point in college where I don't Snapchat and text like head to head to head. I'm just laying down in my bed. I'm looking at these box scores and trying to figure out who's the best, who's, who's continuing to win and the best stories out there. So I just, I, I feel like I need to write more pen to paper, but being on this Twitter, I've been, I've been able to get those stories out there much quickly, much quicker. And to a bigger audience than I would with just the articles, but just got to check up those box scores all the time. Uh, okay. Fair enough. Um, now, if you had to pick a school that you would have gone to the most for mid-majors, just based on what you've seen from the basketball teams mm-hmm. and like maybe the culture around the teams, like where, where would you say is like the best basketball culture for a mid-major school or maybe like the, the best, like under the radar, uh, you know, culture, because you could, again, I keep going back to them, but they're the most obvious example. You could go to a Gonzaga where every game there matters because they like, that is the school's program. Like they don't have a football team. And as Chris and I have talked about football is king. So if you don't have football, what, what's the next step up on the hierarchy? It's, it's typically men's basketball, unless you're at UConn, uh, reasonably. So it's women's basketball there. Cause they're awesome. Yeah. But where would you say, like, you know, as a possible, like, student who doesn't have to worry about grades, just worry about being, you know, like, the rowdiest basketball fan out there, where are you going? Well, I actually applied, and I got into Towson. I got into UMBC. I got into Radford. Those are three out of the four mid-major schools I got into that I I believe those are – I only applied to four mid-major schools, and I got in them. But the fourth one is a very cliche answer, but Dayton. UD Arena, that place is always packed. The Red Scare is one of the best student sections in the country. Anthony Grant was coach of the year in 2019. You know, they had Obi Toppin. They would have been a one seed in that tournament. That's one. San Diego State, they have football. They're in a, they have an outstanding basketball atmosphere, too. Another one, St. Bonaventure. They're big about the beer up there. That's the one. They <laughs> love their beer. And uh, something about the-, the Christians and the beers. Yeah, I know. It's always a great atmosphere. They get rowdy. They tailgate all that stuff. It's it's great. And I mean, like even at the bottom, like a George Mason right here, right in our backyard, they have a great, great atmosphere. Doc Nix, he's one of the best characters in college basketball. He's their band. He's their band director. He's a great guy. Their band is amazing. They always have a really good turnout. Eagle Bank Arena is a big place. There's definitely, if you don't want to go to a big state school, there's definitely some smaller schools out there that can give you the atmosphere of a state school. Like South Carolina, their basketball program, they're kind of down right now. 
we play in one of the biggest arenas in the country. We don't have a great student atmosphere for basketball games. But like a Dayton or a St. Bonaventure or San Diego State, they all have better atmospheres than some most SEC schools, even though like the Auburns are coming up. But if you want to go to a smaller school, those are the ones to go for to go to for basketball. You know, I have to admit, I definitely thought that you were going to say VCU because you know I've watched a lot of their stuff. And granted, I have some friends who went to VCU, so I, I may just know more about it. But, you know, I always thought they had like a crazy good culture for that sort of thing as well. Um, so it's it's actually it's surprising, but also kind of refreshing to hear somebody other than them. Now, one big thing that has hampered mid-majors for the longest time, it, it's kind of the same thing that's hampered the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. Mid-majors haven't won a national title since I believe it's 93, the year I was born, which I bet that makes you feel young. Uh, <laughs> so you were born like what, 02? A one. Oh, geez. So you were born when Maryland was winning their national title and going to the final four. Mm-hmm. Man, what a shame Jeez. for you. Yeah, honoring. I saw they're honoring them uh, against Ohio State next month. Oh, yeah. And uh, that is probably the, the best. One of the best moments of my life is when they won that game, mm-hmm. even though I was still like nine. <laughs> but, hey, man, that was fourth grade. I remember it well. Oh, it, it was a great, great night. Um, mm-hmm. But with that said, is this the year that Gonzaga finally breaks the streak? Because they, they've they're a, a major team. They're not a mid-major, but they're still in a mid-major conference. So are, are they going to be the team that finally breaks it? They don't have a team that's as talented as they did last year with Jalen Suggs and everybody else there. But I know that they've got the talented freshman who uh, – Chet. It's still this, I still – I can't believe we're in 2022 and somebody named their child 18 years ago mm. Chet. <laughs> I I truly thought that was going to be a name that died, but mm-hmm. here it is, Chet Holmgren, the kid's a unicorn, and you've also got Drew Timmy as well as some other you know key pieces around them. Can they finally do it? I wish. I I really don't think so. But I mean, don't keep my word on that. I would love to see Gonzaga win it. I I think someone different's going to win. It. I think someone strange is going to win it. I could see like. UConn hasn't been healthy all year. If they're healthy, you know, RJ Cole, Sonogo, all those guys, they're really good. And then I'm a big, big East guy. I mean, Seton Hall, Seton Hall is a really good team. They have a whole bunch of mid-major transfers, Bryce Aiken, Harvard. But I really don't think it's Gonzaga's year. But I think someone that you you won't be expecting them to win it will win it because there's a chance that – I go to an SEC school, but I know we aren't a basketball conference. Kentucky's a good team, but I've really, I, I, Calipari is a great guy, but I don't think they'll make it that. Well, they might make the lead eight, not final four. It's going to be a weird team this year. It's going to be a four, five, six seed, three, four, five, six seed, who I think is going to win it this year. So, not to burst your bubble, but didn't Seton Hall just lose to St. John's? Yeah. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. I know they're a good team, but that's that's a rough thing to say right after they just lost. I I feel like they're just gonna they're gonna be under the radar. They're gonna sneak in on everyone. I like their team. They've been playing worse and worse. It feels like, but all you have to do is you just got to get your momentum at the beginning of March. You're you're not making a strong case for yourself right now, Nick. <laughs> I, I mean, I would hand you a shovel, but this hole seems to be deep enough on <laughs> on your own. So. With that said, I, I mean, college basketball, There, we can get into it, we can dive into it. There's so much that we can get into it. 
And I would love to bring you back on sometime around like March when the tournament starts up. But for right now, I know, you know, we're still in the heart of NFL playoffs and I do want to keep everyone's attention. Uh, I also, if, if anyone's listened to this or Nick, if this is your first time, I have no problem explaining myself to people just because why bother trying to hide it? Everybody knows what you're doing, but I, I do want to make sure everybody's attention stays on. So I think for now, mid-major wise, we're going to wrap it up here. One last question. What do you do to get back at your roommates for being mid-major haters? Do you, do you just have games on all the time? All the time. I mean, every time there's a standalone game, I tweet about it. I mean, they love when I get like the attention from John Rothstein, but I mean, they don't sit there and watch the games. They always want to watch a Maryland. They always want to watch a capital game, a wizard game. I hate the NBA. I hate the NBA so much, but it's just always on. And I, I get it in their heads. I mean, there's a new team. They figure out a new team or a new coach every week. And I can just tell that they hate it, but I'm just, you got to keep drilling it in their heads. Okay. So that, that actually just spawned the second question. Sorry, Chris. Um, you're in South Carolina. Are they yeah. streaming the Wizards games? Because I figured your local broadcast would probably be the Hawks. <laughs> weird thing. Or is, no, no, no. Sorry. The, the Hornets. The Hornets. Yeah. yeah. But the weird thing is, I mean, so at the beginning of the year, we had Valley Sports Southeast, which would show the Hornets and Hawks games and all that. But they got rid of that on our cable. So for some weird reason, our Wi-Fi is in New Hampshire. So all of our local stuff, yeah, it's really weird. All of our local stuff is the Celtics and the Bruins. So like last night, I bet on the Ducks, and I had to watch on the Nesson app. And the Wizards played the Celtics on Sunday, and we had to go to some illegal stream. So I'm – I'm sorry. I, first of all, way to just admit to, you know, breaking the law right on here. Good job. Um, but it's, it's okay. Nobody listens, but (laughs) I'm, I'm kidding. (laughs) My girlfriend listens, but, um, no. So I'm just trying to map this out in my head. You're in Columbia, South Carolina, but your internet is based out of New Hampshire. It makes no sense. Are you sure you're not being hacked by Vladimir Putin on the daily? (laughs) Well, actually, last year, my roommate was playing 2K. He lived in this building. And some guy, he's like, I'm going to get your IP. and I'm going to put down the whole Wi-Fi. And he actually put down the whole Wi-Fi of the whole building. So they had to get a new Wi-Fi service. And it just happened to be in New Hampshire. So Wait, so so your roommate is the reason why (laughs) this all went down? Yeah, there has to be. Why did you leave with that? I don't know. There has to be like 600, 700 people in this building and they all are in New Hampshire now and they don't know my roommates the reason why they're in New Hampshire. So just because your roommate pissed some dude off online, your whole school had to change their their Wi-Fi. Yeah, the whole building over here. Okay, so you've got the UMBC story. You've got the Wi-Fi story. Do you just like have stories for days? Because these are pretty sweet. Yeah, I mean, my roommates always get on me for it, but I mean, my grandfather's met some interesting people. I've met some interesting people. I always have these stories. Want me to tell one? Yeah, who's the most interesting person you've ever met? I don't know about me. I I keep thinking about my grandfather. He was the one that I don't know why it's popped in my head right now. But he he was the director of admissions at Duquesne. So he traveled everywhere. And 
for some reason, he was he went into a sauna. There was one guy in there. It was Pete Maravich, butt ass naked. I don't know why that's in my head, but it is. Probably I mean, the coolest guy I've ever talked to is John Calipari. But I mean that those are both. I mean that's the same tier. Mm-hmm. Nick, we might just have to get you back on sometime just to hear all of this stuff. That I'm, I I am literally floored right now. <laughs> you have apparently you have just lived a life that's a lot cooler than like the vast majority of anybody coming out of Catonsville, Maryland. Catonsville <laughs> is a pretty cool place. I'm not saying it's not, and I'm not saying that Catonsville didn't just catch a stray from me, but <laughs> I'm not wrong. There's not much going on there. I mean, you got to go into the city or you got to go over to D.C. So, I, I, well, now I hate to wrap it up there, but, you know, for, for timing purposes, we're going to wrap there. Nick, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, if you don't already, for some reason you follow me and not Nick, go follow uh, his mid, uh, mid-major madness Twitter account. It's at mid underscore madness. Give him a follow and shout him out because, you know, th- I see him all the time. He is live tweeting stuff like crazy. I don't know. I honestly don't know how you work this with the college, you know, class schedule and everything. It's impressive, just, man. Just what I'm seeing online. It's already crazy and psychotic and it's incredibly, it's incredibly impressive. Thank you. I appreciate it. So Nick, thank you again. And uh, for everybody who's listening, that will wrap it up for us on this episode. We will catch you next time. <laughs>